Good evening, church. What a blessing that was, amen. That's a blessing when when I come over to uh, to Southland to your um, to your music. Uh, we have um, a lighthouse. We have a, a, a great and he's waving to you. Wave to me. Last said hello already. All good. Now, ah, okay. All right, beautiful. There you go. Amen. All right. And um, I was I was saying that uh, we have a great uh, piano player at uh, at uh, the lighthouse, and uh, it, I have a we have a great time. But um, unfortunately, I'm the song leader at church, and uh, I can't carry a tune in a bag. Uh, so I really appreciate. We're just meant to make a joyful noise. Amen, brother. And I make plenty of noise when I get up and song lead, but it's with a heart unto the Lord. So it's uh, it's it's good. But I enjoy your music. I enjoy uh, enjoy coming over and, and spending some time with you guys. And uh, again, I appreciate uh, the invitation to come and to open the Word of God and to minister to you guys. Uh, I appreciate your prayers uh, for Lighthouse. Uh, keep praying for us. We, we're having a, uh, we're going through a good time at the moment. We're, we're in the middle of our of our Christmas outreach. Uh, we put some uh, Christmas bags together. Which, um, I got some bags ordered and we uh, put the John and Romans, a couple of tracks in there. We put a bag of popcorn, some chocolates and a balloon with a church website on it. And we've been giving them out door to door, house to house. And uh, we've had a, a great response. Like Brother said, it's a great time of the year to be out there sharing the word of God. People's hearts are soft to Christmas. People's hearts are soft to uh, the... To the, to the gospel, and what you're finding if you, if you go out is, uh, folks, the world is sick of religion, amen? They're, they're yearning, and they're, they don't even know, but they're, they're craving for a, a relationship with the, with the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I found, especially this time of year, as we're going out, that uh, you, you come up to a door and you've got a bag, and, uh, and they're already like, what are you trying to sell me? And uh, as soon as they oh, look, we're just from Lighthouse Baptist Church, we, uh, we're just here to wish you a Merry Christmas that you have a, a Merry Christmas. There's a gospel tract in that tells you about the Lord Jesus Christ. There's some goodies for you to enjoy. If you need anything, my phone number's in there. Just give me a buzz. And you can see the countenance change. And uh, folks, get out there with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the harvest is white unto, uh, unto reaping. It's ready to go. We just need to be out there uh, sharing the gospel with folks. But uh, again, I appreciate, I appreciate being here. I appreciate seeing Brother Tossel again. Uh, I admire, admire him. He, he taught me a lot, and I appreciate you being here tonight, mate. I, uh, uh, it's, uh, what did I do? <laughs> what did I do? Don't, don't hit me. What, what did I do? Sorry? Yeah, it's there. Is it good? The light is on, I promise. Look, the light is on. It's green. No? Yes? Don't walk away. Don't leave me up here with the thing here. So it's good? What if I promise to stay right here and talk into this thing? No? It's not good? All right, well, you tell me what you want me to do. I don't want, I want to come back one day, mate. Just leave it there. It's all good? I, I didn't break it, I promise. Don't send me a bill for it. Uh, actually, send it to Pastor Tossel. There you go. But no, look, if you have your Bibles there, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 1. Uh, Mark chapter 1, and uh, I want to share with you something that has encouraged, uh, encouraged my heart. 
over the last um, last little bit. And uh, this message came around as I was driving around in my car, and it was fitting because uh, I'm, uh, I'm a uh, obviously I'm a full-time pastor, but I'm also a full-time account manager, and I drive around for a living. And uh, this was fitting. So turn to Mark chapter one uh, in your Bibles. And I want to ask you this morning, or this afternoon, I should say, is uh, do you have a backseat driver in your family? Oh, look at all the women going, yeah. All the men are going, yeah. You know, you know, you know what what I mean is you get in your car and uh, uh, either one, and you and, and you get oh, you're going too fast. You should be in the other lane because we're turning left up there. 14 k's down the road, we're turning left. You should be in the other lane. Be careful, the guy in front doesn't know what he's doing. And you get it on and on. And you end up saying, or you, get, or you end up getting, do you want to drive? No, no, I hate driving, you drive. I have to be careful what I say here tonight because there's, ev- there's evidence. And folks, at the end of the day... <laughs> I'm sorry, I apologise in the car. They are far, I'm a good driver, by the way, I believe I am. I do 50,000 k's a year in my car and um, I haven't been booked too many times this year, so that's all right. But um, I think what it is, it's finally they're fine uh, with someone else driving. Uh, they're fine, you know, with someone else being behind the wheel. But uh, if you're a backseat driver and I'm one of them, uh, there's this sense of feeling uneasy uneasiness about yielding control. And basically, you know, you drive, it's all sweet, but the internal thinking of the person travelling with you is, you know what, I want to maintain some level of control in this thing. Teaching my wife to drive was a bit like that. I wanted to maintain some level of control, amen? And then I delegated, so that was fine. But always prepared to go for the steering wheel, to, to, to brake, to pull the handbrake. I think maybe, folks, that's because um, that's the reason why some people hate flying. You know, you, you get in a plane, they strap you in, and basically you're just there for a ride now. There's nothing you can do about, um, you can't get off, you can't stop, and, and uh, you're, you're just in there. There is no control when you're in an aeroplane. And that's, I believe, why some people hate flying. And I want, to, I want to share with you tonight that you know that sometimes our Christian life can be a little bit like that. But you know what, at the end of the day, folks, we know that, um, uh, that uh, in order for us to have a happy, in order for us to have a fruitful, contented Christian life, we need to let the Lord be in charge of our lives. Amen. The title of my message tonight is we need to let the spirit drive. I want to encourage you tonight, church, let the spirit of God drive. Let him drive your life. Folks, at the end of the day, we've got to understand that there's only two choices on the shelf. We either let the spirit of God drive where where he wants to take us or else we are in charge and we are in control and what we're doing is we're driving our own life. Which one is biblical? Absolutely the first one, amen. Psalm 48, 14 says, For this 
Uh, for this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. Proverbs 3, 6, a verse that you know. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. So I want to ask you a question uh, tonight. Do we let the Spirit of God habitually drive us where he wants to take us? Do we let him direct our path? And I want to um, be honest with you uh, tonight is I don't do this as consistently as I would like to. You know, church, that the, the, the Spirit's leading will always, always be good for us. He will never, ever, ever lead you astray. The Spirit of God will never drive you into a ditch. Look, it may not be where we want to go. We may not like some places he takes us. But it would always be for our benefit in one way or another. Hey, folks, you know what? It just might be for the benefit of somebody else, for the ministry of another person. Now, the Spirit of God may lead somewhere where, where it hurts. The Spirit, the Spirit of God may drive us to a place of difficulty, uh, it may be, even appear to us to be a useless place to be. And maybe perhaps many years later we will say, ah, oh, you know what, I know why I went through that. I know, I know why the Spirit of God drove me there. And because of where the Spirit of God took me, I can now minister to myself. I can minister to my family. I can minister to a brother or sister. Even years down the road you will see why. The Spirit of God took you there. Ah, you know, now hindsight is a wonderful thing, is it not? I know why I went through that all those years ago because of where I am now. Because of who presents himself in that situation. Back there when I didn't even know what was going on or why. But you know what, folks? We trusted the Lord that he was good for us. My Bible still says that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. It's still in there, mate. In King James, amen? amen. And now because of it, I can now minister to others where with God ministered to me. Now I can help and comfort because of where God drove me in my life. And I want to ask you a question uh, tonight. Do you have those experiences to testify of? Do you have those trips in your Christian life where you can bring glory to God with? And if you do, aren't you glad now that the Spirit of God took you to those places to grow you, to teach you something, to help you to, to grow and flourish in your Christian life? And can I encourage you? Jesus was our ultimate example. Amen. He let the Spirit of God drive him, church, to some very to some horrible places in, in, in his life. Why? In order to be a comfort and a blessing to us, he had to know what it was like to be all human. By all means, we love that Jesus was indeed all God, but in order for him to relate to his creation, he needs to know what it is to be all human as well. Aren't you glad that your God understands you because he went through the same things you go through? The writer of Hebrews 
recorded by the leading, by the driving of the Spirit of God in Hebrews 2.18. For in that he himself had suffered being tempted, that he is able to succor, that means help or bring aid to them that are tempted. He knows what it's like to be tempted with the things that you're tempted. The same writer in 4.15 says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. And because of this, Jesus as Saviour is able to comfort you when you are tempted. He's able to bring ministry to your spirit when it is vexed and downcast. So let's go to our text uh, this evening. So what lessons did uh, Jesus teach us as he was uh, uh, about to be tried, as he was about to be driven by the Spirit of God? What can we learn from him? Well, in this scenario in our Bible, John the Baptist uh, is baptising here in the River Jordan. And Jesus comes to him to be, to be baptised. And we pick up the story in, uh, in uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 7. Read along with me. It says, and uh, preach, saying, There cometh one, th- uh, cometh one uh, mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. Verse 8. I indeed have baptised you with water, but he shall baptise you with the Holy Ghost. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptised of John in Jordan. And look at this, and straight away coming out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But look at verse 12. And immediately the spirit, what's the next word in your Bible, church? Driveth. The spirit driveth him where? Into Into the wilderness. Was it a good place? It was not a good place. There's no, it wasn't a good hospitable area to be. But you know what? We have, we have no record of Jesus ever complaining. We have no record of Jesus doubting. We have no record of Jesus saying, you know what? No way, man. I'm, I'm out of here. He let the Spirit of God drive him. In the other Gospels, the word lead is used. Can I tell you, church, that Jesus was a willing participant participant to where the Spirit of God was leading him. He was willing. Verse number 13 in the Scripture says, And he was there in the wilderness, how long? Forty days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered unto him. And there came a blessing there. Why don't we go ahead and pray and then we'll get stuck in with it. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, we thank you for uh, the Bible. We thank you for the word of God. Most of all, Lord, we thank you for the ministry of our Saviour. Lord, that he should go through some things in order to be a blessing to us. Uh, Father God, we're so thankful for his ministry. We thank you for everything that he did for us. And we pray, Lord, that you'd help us to learn, to accept and to apply into our lives that uh, we would become more Christ-like, more like him. And thus, Lord, bring a glory to your name, for we know that thou art worthy. We thank you, Lord. We pray that uh, you'd be with us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So letting the Spirit drive. Jesus went through a tough time, church. But because of this, he's sympathetic. He can provide mercy and grace to help in time of need. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4. 
So what we're going to do is we're going to look at where uh, the Spirit of God led him, where the Spirit of God drove him, that he might remind us, and when we face some things, and we face some things, amen, we might uh, learn to deal with them the way Jesus Christ dealt with them. So there's just two points I want to share with you uh, tonight. First is we're going to review the temptation of Christ, what he went through. So turn back to Mark chapter 12, if, uh, chapter 1 if you're not there. Uh, the setting of the temptation. The Bible says that the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. Mark 1.12. And immediately, I love that, immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. It appears that this occurrence in Jesus' life was initiated by the Spirit, big S obviously, by the Spirit of God. And what amazes me about this account is that immediately after the submission to the will of the Father, the Spirit of God used him to accomplish something. Jesus had to submit to the will of the Father. And I want to encourage you, church, if we are going to let the Spirit drive our lives and we're going to be the people that God wants us to be, there needs to be a humble submission to the Spirit of God's leading in our life. It is the same Spirit that descended upon him in bodily form as the dove, the Bible says in Luke chapter 3, verse 22. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him and I want to encourage you Christian to know that he's the same self spirit that that, uh, that came down on the Lord he's the same one that indwells you today if you're saved tonight amen and I, and I pray that you are you have all the spirit of God that Jesus has just sometimes the spirit of God doesn't have all of us amen And the spirit here in this in this account most likely drove him led him into the wilderness of Judea, a very, very desolate, harsh, unforgiving place. And he was there for 40 days. Mark chapter 1 verse 13 says, and he was there in the wilderness 40 days, folks. Can I tell you, that was no camping trip. That was no fun time. That was no time out to relax and kick back before, before starting ministry. That was no relaxation gap year for him. Your church is having a good camping trip on missions. I've been, I've been stalking them on Facebook. That's luxury, folks, to what Jesus went through in the wilderness. Forty hard days during which he fasted like Moses and Elijah in their wilderness experience. Forty hard days during which he was tempted. Luke uh, 4, chapter, uh, Luke 4 2 says, being 40 days tempted of the devil. And, his, and in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. Can I tell you, church, that he was the son of God, but he was also the son of man and he was hungry. Tempted by Satan. Mark chapter 1 verse 13. Satan, your adversary. Matthew and Luke use the term the devil. The devil, the accuser, the slanderer, the accuser of the brethren. Folks, how would you like to hang out with the devil for 40 days? Mark alone, in the gospel of Mark, Mark alone mentions the presence of wild beasts. Mark 1.13. 
wild beasts known to inhabit that area of Judea, uh, hyenas, jackals, panthers, lions and bears. And if you want a good uh, story, read up on the kids that uh, teased Elijah about his bald head, what, what, what God used the bear to do. Don't tease me about my bald head. Amen. Amen. And we don't know, we don't know the story here. The Bible doesn't tell us if these animals were a source of comfort or a trial for Jesus, but I suspect that they were a source of discomfort uh, for him. I'll guarantee you, when your church members come back that have gone out to the outback of Australia, I've seen some of these tents they're sleeping in. They're no more than a bit of fabric in the... (laughs) Anything that wanted to get in, will get in. And you're out there in the middle of the night asking me if they felt any noise outside, things moving around, if they thought some of them wanted to come in and, and, uh, and eat them. That was no, that was, Jesus didn't have any of that. He was there on his own. It wouldn't have been a nice time for the Lord. So for 40 days, Jesus experienced desolation. He experienced deprivation, isolation, temptation. And can I tell you, I don't think we often think about just what he must have gone through in those 40 days and 40 nights. Who took him there? The Spirit of God drove him there. Immediately, the Spirit of God drove him there. And this ordeal now comes to a head. And in, in, in Jesus' humanity, in his mind, just when he thinks maybe the things couldn't get any worse, the climax of his temptation comes. Mark, the Gospel of Mark, does not record Satan's temptation at the end of the 40 days, but both Matthew and Luke do. And we'll briefly have a look. Turn over to Matthew chapter 4 with me for a second. Is water safe? Yeah? What is that right? You didn't do anything to this, right? Okay. I don't know. You jinxed my machine already. Matthew chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. Satan, he comes and tempts the Lord Jesus Christ with the appeal to the lust of the flesh. Verse 3. And when the tempter came to him, He said, what's the next word? If, if thou be the son of God. One of Satan's favourite weapons is to cast doubt on the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And can I tell you, he still uses that today to keep people in bondage to religion. If thou be the son of God, command these stones be made bread. What he's saying to him is, you know what, Jesus, take a shortcut. Why don't, you, why don't you drive yourself? Why don't you stop uh, uh, trusting in the leading of the Spirit of God? Stop trusting in the Father and you know what? Just do it your way. And how often we are tempted in like manner to take a shortcut. Verse number four. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. What he's saying, you know what? I'm going to trust my God. Even though I can, and he could, amen. He was the creator of heaven and earth. 
You understand, at that very point, he could have spoken the devil out of existence. That would have been a shortcut. He said, no, that is not the Father's will for me, and submission came. So the devil couldn't do anything. So he comes now, and he appeals in Matthew chapter 4, look at verse 5. He appeals to the pride of life. Verse 5, the devil taketh him up into a holy city and sitteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. He's appealing there to the pride of life. He's appealing to the I'm important mentality. Appeal to the toxic mentality that is rife in our world today, which is this entitlement, entitlement mentality. Hey, folks, the world owes me. And can I tell you, it's permeating our churches. This mentality as Christians, hey, God owes me. God should be pleased that I just show up on a Sunday night. The mentality of this, of this world, is that the world, that God owes us something destroying this world. Verse 7, what's Jesus' response? Verse 7, he said unto him, It is written, thou shalt not, what's the next word? Tempt, that word tempt, to prove, to test thoroughly the Lord thy God. He's saying, God doesn't owe me a single thing. The Father doesn't owe me a single thing, he's saying. And you know, I, was re- I was reading this and I was studying and uh, I was thinking, you know what? God doesn't owe me nothing. He saved me, church. He took me from the miry pit that was my life and he set my, my feet upon a rock and he put a new heart, a new song in the heart. He forgave my filthy, stinking sin. He gave me a relationship with him. He gave me a home in heaven. He gave me the hope of the righteous. Folks, God doesn't owe owe me, God doesn't owe us a single thing. We've already, by his grace, got more than we deserve. And as I looked at this, I thought, you know what, I owe him an innumerable debt. So Satan fails again. So what does he do now? He appeals to the lust of the eyes. Matthew 4, verse 8. Have a look at it there. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. Verse 9. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Again, the temptation there to worship idols, the temptation to put things before God. And we look at it and we say, you know what, I would never do that. I would never put anything before God. But how often, church, in my life I've seen it and and I see it how often that we neglect the things of God because all we want, all we sometimes strive for are the things of this world, the kingdom of the world and the glory of them. And what we do is symbolically fall down and worship him. 
We worship idols, putting anything before God in his service. What was Jesus' response? Verse 10. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. O church, my prayer is that our churches here in Sydney and Australia would get a vision for what he said. Amen. I dare to tell you that maybe Australia would be a very different place today. With each temptation, Jesus' response was, It is written, it is written, it is written. With the aid of scripture, Jesus was victorious over Satan. And can I encourage you, encourage you church, you can be too. I want to encourage you in this story, can, there is no supernatural power in the defeat of the devil in this account. It was simple faith in the written word of God. You have that in your lap tonight. So then comes the end of the temptation. The Bible says that angels came and ministered to Jesus in Mark chapter 1 and verse 13. And the angels ministered unto him. A blessing in the end. Exactly what they did is not mentioned in the scripture here. But I dare to say that he provided some bodily nourishment for him that he so much craved. God is still able to set a table in the wilderness, folks, in the presence of your enemies. Amen? And Jesus here wouldn't have been the last time that angels come and appeared to him to minister to him. The Spirit would later drive him again to the Garden of Gethsemane to be in agony. And there in the garden, as he contemplated the crucifixion uh, to come, and the Bible tells us that after he prayed, as it were, great drops of blood, that an angel came and strengthened him. Luke twenty two forty three, And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. See, church, I believe the scripture teaches us that after tribulation, that after trial, that after hurt, that after all these things, uh, the Spirit of God will minister to you. God will take care of you. But we will never, ever see it unless we let the Spirit of God drive us where he wants to take us. With 40 days of overcoming temptation behind him, Jesus now was prepared to begin his public ministry. We can apply what he went through in our lives, church. Point number two, the temptation of Jesus applied. We have... We have the same adversary. Sometimes, and many of you will be able to testify to this, sometimes the Spirit of God will drive you, would lead you straight into the path of your adversary. Folks, Jesus was tempted by the devil and so can we. Easily too, I might add. You know 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, right? Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may what? Devour. Verse number nine. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. You know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like to me, it is written. It is written. It is written. Whom resist 
steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. See, folks, the devil knows that he can't defeat Jesus, the Son of God. So now he directs his attention towards the followers of the Son of God. And whatever problems we have in this world, folks, can I tell you, they are not our enemy. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Never underestimate your enemy. We should never treat him lightly. We should never uh, treat him like he's, he's a pushover, folks. Our conflict is real. And sometimes, sometimes in your spiritual life, the leading of God, the driving of the Spirit of God would lead you straight into a confrontation with your adversary. We have the same adversary. Church, uh, we have the same temptation. We have the lust of the flesh. We want to take shortcuts in life. We want to experience life without waiting on God. Usually when we're young, all these things we want is to experience uh, the whole life's experience in in our youth. Oh, you know what? I can't, I can't wait till I get married to be intimate. That's a world philosophy. I want my life, I want it the way I want it, and I want it now. That's a, that, that, that's a temptation that we have. That is what, uh, what the devil brings. And then we get a little bit older, and we grow out of that stuff. But then comes the lust, um, the lust of the eyes. We get a little little bit older, we might get a little bit financial, and all of a sudden materialism is a problem for us. We hunger and thirst after the wrong stuff. No longer righteousness fills our, our void. We try to fill it with other stuff. We get even a little bit older after that, and then becomes the pride of life. Pride and arrogance especially in our older years. And as I've been, as I've been uh, talking to people, uh, it seems that the older we get, the more we seem to know about things and we are experts in everything. And not only do we start driving ourselves wherever I want to go, but we start telling other people where they need to drive themselves to. Church, I want to encourage you that like Jesus we can overcome with the word of God that, that uh, we have uh, with us. The word of God abiding in us. That is, if we wish to have the life that God wants us to have. Do we want that? Do we want that? Luke 2 verse 15 says, And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the thing which he possesseth. Hebrews 13.5, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. What he's saying to us here is that Jesus should be enough for us. Amen? You know why Jesus overcame the devil with the word of God? Because the Father was all that he wanted. To please the Father was the only thing that he wanted in his life. That was enough for him. Is God enough for us here tonight? Is that all we want? Church, we have the same adversary. 
We have similar temptations, but we have the same tools to overcome. Jesus applied, sorry, Jesus appealed to the word of God in this situation he found himself in. And folks, so can we. We have the word of God like he had. Jesus used the word of God like a hammer. He beat it, uh, uh, the devil into retreat. You can use it in the same way. In fact, Jeremiah 23, 29 says, Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? The word of God is a, is a weapon, folks, not just something that I hold in my lap and daintily read. Jesus had faith in the word of God. Jesus had faith in the plan of God, victory through suffering. We need a similar shield of faith, church, if we're going to be victors. Believing that the Spirit of God drove me here, drove me to this situation, I have to believe that all things work together for good. We just need to believe it. Do we believe it? When things go wrong, sometimes, look, I, I get myself into trouble sometimes because of my own stupid mistakes. I don't blame everything on God. But sometimes things happen that I don't like because that's where God wants me. We went, we had our, la- our last men's fellowship last night and I got frustrated being in, te- in Tempe because I couldn't find parking. And I'm a wog, folks. You know, I, 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 I carry my emotions on my sleeve. You should have seen me before I got saved. Uh, I'm pretty tame now. But I couldn't find parking so I got a bit frustrated. I was thinking, you know, I want to, everybody comes to the same place I need to go to all the time. So I couldn't find parking about four blocks away and I, and I saw a, a parking spot across the road and I got to the corner and the, the, the right turn arrow was yellow and I thought, no, I can make it. No, I couldn't make it. So I got booked. I'm just waiting for the lovely letter from the government to come. That's my own stupid mistake. That's my impatience and I, and, I, and, I, and I just deserve it. I don't foolishly charge the Lord with those things. But sometimes that same kind of thing happens in our lives and we're there wondering why. Why, why when we charge God foolishly with some things? Maybe that's exactly where God wants you because he's trying to do something in your life. How do we deal with that? What do we do? Jesus showed us clearly he was a man of prayer. He taught the use of prayer to overcome temptation. Matthew 26, 41 says, Pray, sorry, watch and pray that you ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The word of God, faith, prayer against these things. Church, can I encourage the devil has no chance. Are you using them in your prayer life? Are you using those weapons that are mighty in God? We have the same adversary. We have the same temptations. We have the same tools to overcome. We have similar blessings when we overcome. Jesus was ministered to by angels. The Bible says that angels will carry us home, beloved. The Spirit of God will not drive you where he, uh, sorry, the Spirit of God will only drive you where he wants you to go, but 
The Spirit will minister to you every single time. Can I tell you? The Spirit of God will never, ever leave you comfortless. Turn to John chapter 14 and we're almost done. Wherever God takes you, he will minister to you. John chapter 14 and verse 16. Sometimes we forget about some of the things the Lord left for us. John chapter 14 verse 16. And I will pray the Father and he shall, what's the next two words? Give you, give you another comforter that he may abide with you. What's the next two words? Forever. It's not temporary, folks. If you're saved here tonight, and, and again, I pray that you are, God has given you another comfort here, and he will abide with you forever. Verse 17. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you, the Bible says. Verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Do you live believing that? That you're never alone? I hope that you do, church. Otherwise, what happens, defeat is always around the corner. And can I tell you, once you live in a defeated state, once you have a defeated Christian life, sin always, always lies at the door when we think God doesn't care about me. God promised to look after us and take care of us in all of life's travels. Amen. Psalm 73, 26. My flesh, and my, my, my flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Do we believe it? John 16, 33. These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you should have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. God's won already. This world is pathetic, folks. You know what God calls us to? Be of good cheer. Don't let what this world is going through be cast you down. Don't let it take away your joy. You know, God is still sovereign, amen? God's in control. Our government votes for things like they have some sort of power. The only power that they have is what's given to them from God. Don't let what they do affect your spirit. I'm talking to some Christians of late. Oh, brother, did you see they voted for that same-sex marriage thing? Oh, dear, you know, what are we going to do? There's no protections for us in there, only for ministers. Oh, talking like God's on a holiday. God knows. God is in charge, folks. We have the tools to overcome this thing. We have the same adversary. We have similar temptations. We have the same tools to overcome. We have the similar blessings when we overcome. Can I encourage you? Study Matthew chapter 1. Apply these things into your life. Our physical existence alone cannot satisfy us. You know that, right? You know that. How many Christians are out there that have everything physically that they could ever want and yet they walk around miserable and downcast? 
We need spiritual food from God's word in order to feed the spirit so as to live spiritual lives for our saviour. That's what real contentment is, folks. I am so far learned to be content in whatever state I'm in, the Bible says. The driving by the spirit of God and the temptations of Jesus will teach us much about serving God, will teach us much about how to think. But perhaps the greatest lesson that encouraged me from this was that we have a saviour who, uh, who was in all things made like unto us. And through this, he was our merciful and high, uh, high priest. Having suffered, having been tempted, he can now help us who are tempted. Jesus knows what you're going through. He's sympathetic. He provides mercy and grace to help in time of need, Hebrews 4. So I want to ask you tonight. You're here tonight, uh, and I appreciate you being here. Are you burdened with temptation tonight? Are you burdened with a load of care like we sing? Has the Spirit of God led you to a place you'd rather not be? Has the Spirit of God put you maybe in a place of discomfort, a place of heartache? Look to Jesus as your example in learning how to overcome these things. He knows. Look to him. Look to Jesus as your high priest when you need to approach God in prayer and receive mercy and grace for those times when you think, I just can't go on. God will enable you. God will send his spirit to minister to you. The spirit of God will come and minister to you, comfort you. Take time out this Christmas. We're almost there. Take time out this Christmas to make sure that you listen to the still, small voice. He still speaks, church. He still does. The problem is we're so busy running around doing all the stuff, we just drown him out. He wants to minister to you. In all things this Christmas, look to Jesus. Amen. 2 Thessalonians 2 and I'm done. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ himself... And God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your heart and establish you in every good word and work. Amen. I encourage you in your, in your time of life, look to the Lord Jesus Christ. He will minister to you. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you tonight for the word of God. We thank you, Lord, that we have... Uh, the life of Christ, to teach us, to encourage us. We thank you, Lord, that we serve a living God that went through uh, all things uh, like we did and yet without sin, and he can teach us, Lord, how to deal with these things, how to live a victorious Christian life. We have victory because you had victory, Lord. Teach us to believe that and to live that every day in our lives that we may show our, our, our ruined and dying world that uh, Jesus offers something different. Father, help us to live the Christianity that we say we believe. We love you, Lord. We commit our lives to you. We commit our family to you, Lord. We commit this church to you. Have your will in your way with these dear people. Help them to grow, to flourish. Use them for your honour and glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.